Asia shares sank on Tuesday after Russian President Vladimir Putin ordered troops to East Ukraine. Japan's Nikkei index fell 2.2%, while South Korean shares lost 1.8%. The TIEX also took a tumble, shedding 381 points at its intraday low. Bargain hunters helped the index recover some of its losses, but the index still closed down 1.38% at 17,969 points. An analyst weighs in. The Russia-Ukraine conflict has sparked some short-term panic, including in the Russian stock market, which has plummeted. But as a matter of fact, based on past experience, such events won't shift the economy. It won't have a long-term economic impact. The trends won't change. So this short-term drop is in fact a time for everyone to look for opportunities. The fundamental trends have not changed. And what are the trends? 5G driving technological advances, AIoT, AI, electric vehicles, the metaverse and low Earth orbit satellites are all major trends. The Taiwan Stock Exchange has advised traders not to panic over Europe's geopolitical crisis, emphasizing that the risks are short-lived. Over the long term, it said Taiwan shares will make a return to fundamentals. Former Vice President Chen Tianren applied to join the DPP at the end of last year, according to a party spokesman. His application is expected to be approved by the DPP's Taipei quarters this Friday. The announcement has set off rumors that he may run for Taipei city mayor later this year. A party source says that Chen is perceived as highly electable due to his public health experience and his international visibility. I haven't considered this issue of joining the party, but I have always had a good cooperative relationship with the entire team. As running mate to President Tsai Ing-wen in 2015, Chen Jianren had disavowed interest in joining the DPP, but according to a party spokesman, Chen filed a membership application late last year. It's rumored that he's in line for a new political post, perhaps as CECC commander or the DPP candidate for Taipei city mayor. Minister Chen Shizhong is doing an excellent job as commander of the CECC. At present, there is no need to replace this position. Even if there were a need to replace him, you don't need to join the party to be the head of the CECC. Vice President Chen Jianren is a learned man who's made tremendous contributions to the country. I believe all the comrades in the party would warmly welcome him if he wants to join. Chen, who's 70 years old this year, holds a doctorate in public health from the U.S.'s Johns Hopkins University. He served as dean of National Taiwan University School of Public Health, director of NTU's Epidemiology Institute, and vice president of the Academia Sinica. He's also headed the National Science Council in Taiwan's health ministry. In 2016, he became vice president to President Tsai after being elected as an independent candidate. Yet, at the end of last year, Chen applied to join the DPP at the invitation of the president, who also provided a recommendation on his behalf. According to a party source, Chen's next step may be a run for Taipei mayor, a stint as CECC commander, an appointment as premier, or a campaign for DPP chairman after Tsai steps down. He may even be up for the DPP's presidential nomination in 2024, according to the source, who said Chen was a good fit for many roles. In particular, the party sees him as a dream candidate for Taipei city mayor. 
On account of his stature and experience, as well as his public image and international visibility, if he were to be a candidate for Taipei mayor, I believe he'd have relatively good traction and appeal with moderate voters and light blue voters. The nomination process is already underway in the party selection committee. The DPP will absolutely nominate the most appropriate candidates for the mayoral elections at the end of the year. Academic research is my lifelong vocation, and public service is what I am dedicated to. And now, I feel that I should go back to what I love most. So far, Chen has declared no intention of running for office. But with a membership application filed just before the elections, it's hard not to leave room for imagination. Six years ago, a 17-story apartment complex in Tainan collapsed in an earthquake, killing 115 people. Today, Vice President Lai Qingde attended a ribbon-cutting for a new, safer residential block built in its place. Many of its residents are survivors of the 2016 tragedy. Construction is complete at the site of the toppled Weiguan Golden Dragon building. Lai Qingde, who was mayor when the building collapsed, attended the ribbon-cutting for its replacement. There was a moment of silence for victims of the tragedy in 2016. Six years ago, an earthquake toppled the Weiguan Golden Dragon, killing 115 people. It was Taiwan's deadliest building collapse. After the incident, some of the survivors chose to rebuild at the site. Using public donations, the Tainan city government bought land rights of the other homeowners and launched an urban renewal project on the lot. On Tuesday, Lai marked the completion of a new apartment complex. Every resident here today is very lucky indeed, especially when the Chu Yunju building is more beautiful, comfortable, convenient and advanced than the old Weiguan Golden Dragon building, and this building has a full resume of safety measures. Besides congratulating all the residents here today, I must say I am full of gratitude. I am as grateful as grateful can be. The Chu Yunju apartment complex has three underground floors and 15 floors of mixed-use properties above ground, including 48 housing units. After a six-year wait, residents say they're happy to move in. Lai was only recently released from quarantine in Tainan. At his first public appearance since, he connected with victims of a tragedy that shook the city. Since January 2015, former President Chen Shui-bian has been out of prison on medical parole. Although he hasn't ventured back into politics, his every move is still of high interest to supporters as well as opponents. Last year, Chen launched his own radio show and has slowly reemerged into the public sphere. Today, we bring you an exclusive sit-down with the former president who discussed the Ukraine crisis, China, and President Tsai Ing-wen in the wide-ranging interview. This is the first TV interview accepted by President Chen Shui-bian since he left the presidential office 15 years ago. You have to be happy even when you're unhappy. What else can you do, right? You just have to keep on keeping on. Whenever Taichung people come for so-called home visits, it's stressful for me. In fact, because at any moment they might decide to take me back to prison. So in response to your question, am I happy? No. But we have to be able to find happiness in unhappiness. 
Chen was released from prison on medical parole in January 2015. He knows that President Tsai Ing-wen can decide the course of the rest of his life. Earlier this year, Tainan city government proposed that the government should give you a special pardon following in the footsteps of the South Korean government, who pardoned their former president, Park Geun-hee. Your view on that? We respect the political privileges conferred on the president by the Constitution, but we do feel profoundly grateful to the Tainan city government, my own home city, for passing this proposal. Has President Tsai heard your pleas? I don't know. If she doesn't want to, then undoubtedly she has her reasons. As a former president, what is your assessment of President Tsai's performance so far as Taiwan's first ever female president? It seems now that the DPP's best election winner is not me, but Tsai Ing-wen. She won a big majority at two general elections, and she even won an absolute majority in the legislature. So the DPP controls both the executive branch and the legislature. President Chen also took a stance on the most heated foreign policy debate of the moment. People are saying, Ukraine today, Taiwan tomorrow. In other words, we are in a similar predicament. Do you think that's a useful analogy? It won't be war. If Russia attacks Ukraine, it's a declaration of war on the U.S. Likewise, if China attacks Taiwan, can it afford a war with America? It's the same as the Ukraine issue right now. A decisive statement from a president who made history books. After years of silence, President Chen has finally spoken out on a range of issues, both national and international. Immigrants from all over the world come to Taiwan where they find work, build homes, and contribute to what makes this island so special. Today, in this installment of An Immigrant Story, we meet Michelle Chen, a Hong Kong designer who decided to move to Taiwan to sell her handmade purses. Our reporter Stephanie Yang sits down with Chen to learn about her designs. She slowly threads the sewing machine. Then she cuts off loose strings. This is Michelle Chen, the creator of these colorful Kisslock coin purses and clutch purses. Her designs are mainly inspired by animals. Our bags have a lot of details. The reason is that animal shapes have facial features, which require a lot of splicing, so the process takes longer. Our brand makes Kisslock purses. We mainly use cloth. Kisslock purses generally feel more retro and more old-fashioned. We felt that we could make something cuter using animal shapes. It's different from the style of other Kisslock purses on the market. Chen is originally from Hong Kong. She graduated from college with a degree in electronics and worked in an engineering firm after graduation. She moved to Dubai with her husband in 2009. As she adapted to life in a foreign country, she rekindled a childhood hobby and began making Kisslock coin purses and clutch purses. In 2013, she and her husband decided to move to Taiwan to pursue their dreams. When I first started, I was living abroad and made them at home. At that time, I also tried making ordinary zipper bags or other handbags. Later, when I encountered Kisslock purses, I liked them a lot. It's the metal that makes them special. I've been at this for many years. Although I have a relatively scientific background, I found that making bags has some similarities to what I studied. For example, I'm also responsible for creating the shapes on my own. There is a lot of logic behind that. 
the bag is not flat, it must be three-dimensional, so the numbers must be very accurate. Compared with other styles of handbags, Kislock bags take more care and time to perfect, Chan says. When it comes to Kislock bags and zipper bags, a Kislock bag is more laborious to make. You can make fewer precision errors. Since the top is metal and the fabric must be just right before it can be stuffed in, this requires more detailed work. The zipper may have a margin error of 1 or 2 centimeters, but you have to be more accurate when making a Kislock bag. Chan says that settling down in Taiwan to start her business was one of the best decisions she's ever made. She said Taiwan has a thriving creative industry and lots of resources for an artist. In recent years, there have been a lot of ways to learn, such as courses on handmade goods. There are lots of resources. In fact, in other countries, patchwork is also very popular. But relatively speaking, Taiwan has more diverse cloth materials. There are also more courses compared to other countries. Chan's mastery of her craft is entirely self-taught. Now, considering Taiwan her second home, she hopes to stay long-term to teach more people how to make kisslock purses. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Zhong Shuhui in Taipei. The CECC reported five new local cases on Tuesday from New Taipei and Tainan City. Four cases were connected to a religious gathering held in New Taipei earlier this month. The remaining case stemmed from an outbreak at a Kaohsiung oil refinery. The CECC also announced that bookings start Wednesday for the 24th round of vaccination. About 6.46 million people will be eligible. Eligibility extends to those who received their second dose on December 12th or before and who are aged 18 or older. As of 2 p.m. today, you'll be able to go on the booking platform to check your eligibility. Our web traffic diversion measures will be as follows. Starting tomorrow at 10, people 55 and older will be able to book. People 38 to 54 can book starting at noon, and those 18 to 37 can start at 2 o'clock. The booking deadline will be February 25th at noon. Vaccines will be administered between February 28th and March 6th. As for what vaccines will be provided, there will be a total of 1.65 million doses. There will be 16,000 doses of AstraZeneca, 360,000 doses of Pfizer, 1.2 million doses of Moderna, and 72,000 doses of Medigen. The CECC said that only boosters will be provided in the upcoming vaccination round. People who need a first or second dose should make an appointment at a local designated medical institution or health clinic. They can also make use of vaccination stations that allow walk-ins. With COVID abating, the government plans to start loosening its pandemic restrictions. It's already signaled that it will shorten quarantine for international travelers. According to one health expert, the government may also put an end to mandatory real name registration at stores and other venues. Other rules to go could be limits on mass gatherings and dining in. At this TRA bento stand, people buy meals that they won't be able to eat on the train. But with COVID waning in Taiwan, eating and drinking will be allowed on trains again as early as March. The CECC also plans to shorten quarantine from 14 days to 10. The travel industry is eager for international tourists to return. But the transport minister says the comeback will be gradual. We have listened to suggestions from the tourism sector and from the travel sector. We've listened to all of them. Right now, the 
the order of things is to first let business travelers in. After that, I believe the CECC will continue opening up the border. They have a policy direction and guidelines for that. Right now, you have to leave contact details everywhere you go. But with the pandemic subsiding, some experts say that contact tracing systems like these may fall out of use. NTU Children's Hospital Superintendent Huang Niwing says Taiwan will need to coexist with the virus. He says that epidemic investigations and other pandemic measures won't make sense in such a future. Spaced out seating arrangements and partitions could be the first to disappear, because these two measures don't make a huge difference anyway. The next measure to be eased could be the limits on indoor gatherings. They may allow select indoor activities. The current COVID Level 2 alert is set to expire on February 28th. Many industries are keen for rules to loosen after that. The health chief says that face masks and social distancing will remain mandatory, even as Taiwan transitions back to normalcy. Couples rushed to tie the knot today to mark a once-in-a-lifetime date, Tuesday, February 22, 2022. The date also happens to be the 22nd day of the first month of the lunar calendar. That's a lot of the number two, which sounds similar to the word for love in Mandarin, making it an especially auspicious day for weddings. This morning alone, 200 couples registered their marriages in New Taipei. According to government data, that's twice the number of couples that got married on Valentine's Day. Quite a few lovers also timed their marriages for the afternoon, aiming for the even more auspicious moment of 2.22 p.m. Sweet, sour, and crisp jujubes from Kaohsiung are expanding their inroads in the European market. After breaking into the Netherlands last year, jujubes will now be shipped directly to France. Farmers expect handsome earnings of some 500 NT per kilogram. It's a rush of activity as jujubes are weighed, sorted, and packaged into neat rows. These Kaohsiung jujubes are juicy, sweet, and crisp. Last year, they were exported to the Netherlands for the first time. This year, they're off to France. After we began exporting to the Netherlands, the traders over there took them to Paris and set up sales points. So far, the reception has been quite good. In this jujube shipment, the main variety is the number 13 Shirley, which was developed by the Taiwan Agricultural Research Institute. It's tart and sweet, like the taste of one's first love, farmers say. One kilogram is expected to fetch more than 500 NT. It's about 500 NT per kilogram. That's about 70 NT for each fruit. As everyone knows, Japan's standards for pesticide residue are very stringent. We select our fruits using those standards, Japan's selection standards. Using long cold chain technology developed in cooperation with the Agricultural Research Institute, we hope that when these jujubes arrive in Europe, they will retain their fresh, crisp texture. Thanks to farmers' meticulous care and advances in cold chain technology, these Kaohsiung jujubes are ready to sail the ocean. But over in nearby Pingdong County, the outlook is far less cheery. The cold snap and days of rain have caused the green fruit to crack. About 20% of the fruits are cracked. There was a little rain in the morning and the sun came out just now. I was afraid that the sun would cause more fruits to burst open and make it all even worse. Once it's damaged, it's sangrated. Fruits that might have sold for 80 or 100 NT a caddy then fall to 20 NT a caddy because of these rings here. That's some heavy losses for farmers.
Jujubes tend to do well in cold weather, but add rain in the mix and it's a recipe for cracking. If temperatures rise suddenly, the damage only gets worse. From cultivation to export, jujubes must be coddled like a child. It's no wonder that they have found fans in Taiwan and abroad. Two elderly gentlemen in New Taipei have won local fame for their daily habit of strolling the street hand in hand. But the 83-year-olds are not a couple. They're just neighbors who walk together so one of them can navigate the sidewalk. One of the pair has lost his eyesight, but with the help of his friend, he can still take the air and get a spring in his step. Let's head to Banqiao to find out more. Two elderly gentlemen stroll down the street, hand in hand. The pair of neighbours are a common sight in New Taipei's Banqiao district. Mr Chen's eyesight is failing, which is why Mr Xu holds his hand. The two live opposite each other. We're next door neighbours. He's got a problem with both his eyes. He's gone blind and he can't walk down the street. On a drizzly afternoon, Mr Xu turns up as normal at his neighbour's door. But it's siesta time. In the past, they would go out almost every day, except when it was really raining cats and dogs. We spoke to a cousin of Mr Xu's about his neighbourly habit. He needs to exercise anyway, and the two of them have company, and they have things to talk about. If they didn't have shared ideals for their health, they couldn't keep it going for that long. The pop song You Are My Eyes by Xiao Huangqi has never been more true. The two friends inspire neighbours up and down the street to look out for each other.